Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Welcome to Victory Church. My name is Troy. Uh, me and my wife get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, I just want to hit a couple announcements before we get into the word this morning. First, if you're looking for a way to connect, whether you're in person or whether you're watching online, you can do that in two simple ways. First, if you're here in person, when you came in, you were given a connection card, a paper connection card. We'd encourage you to fill that out. Or if you're online or you're just wanting to stay contactless, you can do it through what we call text to connect. And so there's information going to come up on the screen, but in the text message kind of message part, uh, you put Victory 18 and you text it to the number 31996. And what's going to happen is going to send you a digital connection card. And you can fill it out that way. And whether you're turning in the paper card or whether you're turning in the digital card, it just gives us an opportunity to reach out and connect. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite things to do throughout the week is to call those that have visited and checked out Victory and just be able to say, hey, do you got any questions? Can I answer any questions for you? How can we get you connected? Uh, we like to say here at Victory, you, you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. And so our goal is to try to get you uh, connected in that way to figure that out. Um, also, if you're here and you filled that out, whether it be through text to connect or whether through the paper, when you leave today, you can go to our welcome center and we just have a, a couple of gifts we want to give you just to say, hey, thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us uh, and then we'll, we'll hope you have a great rest of the weekend and again, try to reach out and get connected. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, you can do that through three different ways here. We have our online portal, which is our website, our text, uh, or I'm sorry, our app. You also can text to give as much as texting to connect. That information will come on the screen. And then also when you're leaving out, we'll have auditorium hosts with a bucket you can give through tithing or through cash, check, however you might want to do. And I always like to take a moment on Sunday mornings and just kind of highlight something that is being impacted because of your faithfulness in giving. So many people give faithfully every month uh, to, to Victory so that we can do so many things. Obviously, we do a lot inside the building as much. Uh, probably the most exciting recently is uh, in February 23rd, we will officially have ownership of our building. Come on, give God praise for that. And so there's gonna be a lot of information about that coming up soon. I'm gonna share a little bit today. Uh, but, but also with that is we're constantly looking for ways to do outreach. Kyle and I had the opportunity to go serve at a food pantry uh, near our new building yesterday, and we're just making connections on ways that we can get involved in the community. But I got an email this week from Second Harvest Food Bank, which is one of the ministries we partner with, that we partner with to provide food in our area. And, and obviously, we partner alongside a lot of people to support Second Harvest Food Bank. And Second Harvest Food Bank is the one that gives the groceries to the branch uh, ministry that we'll be serving with potentially as we move. But here's what they told us. They told us that throughout this year, because of our partnership and other people's partnerships, they gave out, you ready for this, groceries to 42.5 million people. Is that insane? Come on and give God praise for that. 42.5 million people. And so I just thought that was awesome. We get to be a part of that because we support them financially. And so I just thought that was really cool. Um, Real quick, after service today, if you've been visiting with us, maybe you've been coming for a while, and you say, hey, I'd really love to connect, I'd really love to get involved, right after church, we'll have what we call Growth Track. So Growth Track runs about 30, 45 minutes. Uh, you can get in there, you can learn a little bit about us, a little bit about you, and get, get going in the next steps, connecting. Listen, I really want to encourage you, 
Uh, there's so many people that serve every Sunday to make this church what it is. But if you're not serving yet, if you haven't found kind of your dream team family, we really want to encourage you to do that, especially as we transition to the building, because we just believe God's going to do some pretty special things there, and we need as many hands as we can get serving. And so if you haven't done that yet, and this Sunday happens to be good for you, look, the Chiefs game don't start till 2, so you got plenty of time. They're going to beat the Bengals at 2 o'clock, so you got plenty of time to, uh, <laughs> to get, get into that growth track, get, get what you need, and get out and get home and watch Mahomes get ready for another Super Bowl. And so... Um, Last but not least, I wanted to share a couple cool things. First, last Sunday, I talked about our Purpose Prevails offering, where at the end of the year, uh, we always take up a year-end year offering, and we said 100% of that money was going to go to getting our building ready. We got to buy the signage. We got to buy chairs, uh, and then we got to do a lot of upgrading to our kids' area, our production area, and getting ready for that so that we can launch. And uh, I said last week that I had a goal in my mind that I set but I was lacking the faith to, to share it with you originally, and the, the goal was $50,000. And the reason why I struggled sharing it is because at our highest attendance and our biggest momentum of a church uh, before COVID, we had only raised 22 as a church. And so it was, it was crazy for me to think to make that kind of jump of faith. So I did in my prayer time, but I never voiced it from the stage. And I was so excited last week to tell you that uh, we had raised $49,885. Is that not insane? That's insane. And so we get done eating lunch and, and Darla and I are coming home. We had this family text us, uh, a couple that is just, and again, one, one of the many that make up this incredible church. And they said, hey, uh, if they live near us. And they said, if y'all aren't home yet from lunch, swing by our house. And we were like, okay, cool. And so we swung by and we had a moment of just kind of hanging out and catching up. And they said, uh, the husband said, what was the amount again that you said? And, and I, I told him the amount, and he goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And he grabs his checkbook and writes out the check for the other 150. He goes, we're making 50000 So come on, how awesome is that, right? How awesome is that? And so, again, I just, I just love the heart of our people. I was telling Kyle yesterday as we're at the food bank, I'm like, or at the food pantry, I'm like, man, this is the DNA of our church. The DNA of our church from day one has been, yes, God's going to move in here, but what's God doing out there? And we want to be a part of that. And so I'm so excited. As, as that building becomes ours February 23rd, uh, we'll start the process of getting that building ready. And of course, we'll launch it. Uh, I've got some dates that I'll be sharing with you that we're hoping for, um, but we have some work to do. We don't have a lot of work to do to get it ready, but we want to put our thumbprint on it. And so we'll do that. But uh, soon we're going to have a sign up in the lobby. For I have, A lot of people have talked to me and said, hey, once y'all get in the building, let us know. We'd love to be there. And we want to allow as many people as possible who want to be there during that process to be able to see it. And so we'll be doing kind of a sign up process so that we can keep you informed of when we're there and what hours we're there so that you can come be a part of it. This is your church. And so I want you to be a part of it as we prep. And then we watch what God does through that location um, over the years to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. You ready for the word? Here we go. All right, we're in a series right now called Promises, where we are going through the different promises of God in the Scripture, prom God, the promises that God made us through Scripture. Uh, I shared in the beginning of this series that there are over 7,000 promises that God made us, and so certainly we won't be able to cover all of them, but there are just certain ones that we've picked out. Um, and, that, and, and some of them you're kind of familiar with, but maybe you haven't really studied them. Some of them maybe you never even knew uh, were in Scripture, and so it's fun to kind of go through that. And the promise I want to share with you today it may be a promise that you genuinely understood kind of in your mind, but you never really specifically looked at it and broke it apart and really applied it to your life. And so I want to share it today because I think, uh, I think it'll be something that you'll stand on for years to come. So it's in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 is where we're going to find it. So whether you've got it on your phone or whether you've got your paper Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, 
We're going to start reading at verse 12. We'll read through to verse 16, and then I'll show you the promise, and we'll get into it from there. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. Now, y'all have probably heard that before, that the Bible that you have, whether it's on your phone or in your hands, is the word of God, spoken through God, spoken through prophets, spoken through men and women of God, and it's alive. The word is alive. And the reason it's alive is because I could share a word today, and one of you might get something out of it while somebody else gets something else out of it, or you might get something out of it today that you get something different out of it three days or three years from now because it's alive. It's, it's moving. It's powerful. It goes on to say it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. What that means is that the Word of God almost dissects us, that as we're reading it, it starts to kind of penetrate us and point out things that we're dealing with and give us revelation and healing and so on. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a little intrusive, right? That the word just right out the bat exposes all the things, good and bad, that we're thinking or dealing with. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. That's important for you to understand. So your, your, your biggest success is not hidden from God. Your worst failure is not hidden from God. Nothing is hidden from God. And that statement alone is why I think the promise today is, is so important. Everything is naked, everything is exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, because of all of that that we just said, because the word is piercing, because nothing is hidden from God, because of that, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, who is the great high priest? Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. We have a high priest in Jesus who's entered heaven so we can hold firmly to these promises. And here's the promise. You ready? The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that you and I do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We can stand on the promise that God understands our weaknesses, that through Jesus, he understands our weaknesses because Jesus went through all the temptations that you and I went through. The only difference is Jesus did not fail. And because Jesus did not fail, because of that, we are able to enter into the throne of God through Jesus and receive grace and mercy. The title of the message today that I want to share with you is God Gets You. God Gets You. Now, now let me kind of explain that a little bit. When I was growing up, there was the phrase where somebody might say, like, I get you, right? Or you, you ever have somebody say that? I get you. Like, I get you. I understand you. So that title, God Gets You, what I'm really saying is God understands you, okay? I, I, I don't know that there's anything more... Um, more powerful or, or more soothing, maybe, than the idea of finding out that someone understands you, all right? So let, let me explain what I mean. We've all been in a scenario where we kind of stood out because we didn't relate to the people, right? 
And there's something powerful in the fact when we get around a bunch of people that can relate to us. I remember there was a season of my life where I had never seen an episode of The Office. I had never seen any of it. And my wife was obsessed with it. And so it seemed like everybody in the world was obsessed with it at the time. So we'd be hanging out with people and they'd start getting into all their little moments where they're sharing all these office lines and stuff. And I was lost. I had no idea. Everybody's laughing and I'm like, (laughs) and I have no idea, like no idea. And then I watched it, and we watched it enough that I got into it, and then I could relate. And then now we were in the circles, and people were making jokes, and I'm making jokes with them. It was something about being able to relate with a group of people. You know what I mean? Uh, I remember, and, and I think you, a lot of us have been there probably, where before we had kids, we would go to a restaurant, and somebody's kid would start acting up, like their baby would start crying, or their toddler, and we would be so judgmental, you know? We'd be like, are you, who are you to even bring your kid into this restaurant, right? I am paying way too much money for chicken tenders for your child to be interrupting my dinner. Like we didn't, you know, it was just one of the, and then we had kids. Then we were that couple, right? That were going, we're sorry, we're sorry. And like, you're trying to smother them so they're quiet, you know? And then fast forward now, because we've had kids, we'll be in restaurants and people's babies are crying and we're like, bless their heart. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something about being able to relate. If you have a baby, there's nothing like getting around other people who have babies, because it's like, you get it. If you have toddlers, you know, and you get around people who have toddlers, like, you know what it's like, the fact that we can never sit down and enjoy our lives, like we're constantly going to run. If you have teenagers, it's nothing like getting around people who have teenagers to where you can talk about, I know, she called, my own daughter talked to me like that last night. You know, it's like, what it's like to have teenagers? Or I, I got this uh, hoodie for Christmas that said, nothing scares me, I have two daughters. And, and uh, people who have children, they, you know, especially those who have daughters, they understand it. It's nothing like getting around somebody who shares a similar job experience to you or a similar health issue to you. Like there's just something about getting around people who can relate to you. It's just, it's, it's edifying. And in Hebrews chapter four, the promise that is made to you and to me is this, that Jesus understands us. He can relate to us. There's this sense of understanding amongst us and Jesus, he understands our weakness. He gets it. I think that's important to understand that Jesus gets it. He can relate to our temptation because he's been tempted, right? He, he can relate to our rejection because he's been rejected. He, he can relate to our sense of loneliness because there's been a, a moment in his life where he has experienced being lonely. He can relate to our sense of lacking like we feel like we belong because there have been moments where Jesus felt like he was out of place. Think about that for a second. That Jesus, the Son of God, or God in man form, can relate to your rejection because Jesus was rejected. He can relate to your loneliness because Jesus has felt, Jesus felt lonely? Yes. He can relate, here's my, probably my favorite one, he can relate to your temptation because he was tempted. And he can relate to this feeling you have where you don't quite belong, you can't quite figure, he can relate to that because there was a point where he felt out of place. Think about it like this. Uh, he was shunned by his family. 
He was rejected in his own hometown. His friends tried to kill him. It's actually a verse where his friends are, are, are trying, they're basically trying to knock him off a mountain. They're trying to kill him. So for every person that's ever felt betrayed or stabbed in the back, like Jesus understands that. A little bit later in his life, Jesus goes into the garden and he's tempted. And the Bible says he's tempted, number one, with food. <laughs> all right. So he understands all of us that can't seem to get power over bread. That's me. I'm testifying for a moment. He understands my weakness. He was, test he, he was tested with power and pride. So every one of us that struggle with pride, he understands you. He was tested with a shortcut to go around God's plan. And so every one of us that have ever taken a shortcut instead of doing what God told us to do, he understands us. Even those of us that feel forsaken, there was a moment where he took on our sins and he screamed out from the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus sympathizes with us. That's important for us to hear. He's the only one that can make us feel loved. He's the only one that can make us feel seen. He's the only one that can make us feel understood. He's the only one that can give us a sense of belonging. He is our high priest that is able to empathize with our weakness and our humanness. And you and I can stand on this promise. What I'm telling you is not something I've made up. It's not my perception of something. It's a promise that you and I can stand on because of this reason. You can stand on that promise because the word became flesh. The reason why you can be confident in the promise that God gets you, that God understands you, is because according to John chapter 1, verse 14, the word becomes flesh. Watch this. So the word, the word is God in scripture. So the word became human and made his home among us. So God came to earth and became human in the form of Jesus and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And when we've seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. So what John is telling us is that God becomes human by coming through Jesus and Jesus moves into our neighborhood. God moves into our neighborhood. He comes to earth in human form. Theological textbooks or, or theology textbooks talk about this idea and, and they introduce this idea under the heading incarnation. Anytime you're wanting to study this idea that the word became flesh, that the theological aspect of it is incarnation. And incarnation is the idea, it's, it's the stunning idea that for a time, God became one of us. That for a certain amount of time, God in heaven became man, became one of us. Came to, that's incarnation. God became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. Watch this. 100% God and 100% man. He was miraculously conceived, yet naturally delivered. Did you catch that? He was miraculously conceived to a virgin Mary, but he was naturally delivered. He was born, yet he was born of a virgin. 100% God, 100% man. 
Think about it like this. If God would have, or if Jesus would have descended from heaven to earth in this like huge light type orbiting type figure who comes with thunder and imagine if Jesus came to earth like Thor would often enter. You know what I'm talking about? Remember Marvel when he'd come in and lightning bolts and they all had the superhero, boom, you know what I mean? And the grounds would shake. Imagine if God, imagine if when Jesus came to earth, it looked like that. Like the skies opened and thunder was hitting and lightnings happened and Jesus, boom, comes down. He looks up with like that epic Jesus look, right? Like we, we would have respected him and we certainly would have feared him, but we would not have felt comfortable drawing near to him. Does it make sense? We would have feared him. Oh, goodness, who is that? But we would not have felt comfortable enough to draw near to him. Yet on the other side of the coin, had Jesus been uh, conceived through two human beings, because Mary is very human, but as we know, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She just kind of became pregnant one day. But had she been conceived through Joseph and Mary in a natural, y'all with me? In a natural way, then watch this. We would have felt comfortable drawing near to God because he was like us, but we would have never wanted to worship him. Make sense? If he comes down like Thor, we fear him, but we don't feel comfortable enough to draw near to him. If he's birthed through man and woman, we feel comfortable enough to draw near to him, but we never fear, respect, and worship him. But because we were given the best of both worlds, because he was naturally conceived, I'm sorry, he was uh, supernaturally conceived, but yet he was birthed in a natural way. Because we get best of both worlds, we can both worship him and draw near to him. That's what this is about. Let me put it like this. He was so human, he could touch his people. So human, he could touch his people, but he was so mighty, he could heal them. He was so human that he spoke with an accent, and yet so holy that he spoke with authority. He was so human that he could blend in unnoticed for 30 years, and so heavenly that he could change history and be unforgettable for 2,000 years. He was all man, yet all God. I was thinking about it this morning. Watch this. He was so human that he could swim in the ocean and so God that he could split it wide open. He was so human that he could have water coming out of his eyes and yet so God that he could touch eyes and give them vision again. He was so human that he could eat bread and so God that he was bread. Being able to understand 100% God, 100% man, all man, yet all God. And here's what I love about it, is neither his humanity nor his deity were compromised. He was 100% God and 100% man, but yet neither his humanity nor his deity were compromised in the, the concept. He was fully human. He was fully divine. And because he was human, we draw near to him. And because he is divine, we worship him. 100% God, 100% man. 
And because he's 100% God, we worship. And because he was 100% man, he understands us. Back in Memphis, when I was on staff at a church there, we had a huge gymnasium that, that it had multiple goals. And so uh, on Monday nights, I would open up the gym for kind of an open house, play basketball deal for a bunch of guys. So we had a prayer meeting on Monday nights. I think it went from like seven to eight, if I recall. And then at eight o'clock, a bunch of us guys, we would go over to the gym and we would just, we just play pickup ball. It was a blast. And you know, the, the, you know we, we would invite certain people. We felt like you could have about 15 or 20 people before it got to be too many. And obviously some people would come and go. And so the rumor was kind of like, hey, bring a friend if you want but let us know because we don't want to have so many guys that people aren't able to play. And so we just had a blast. Tim was there. A bunch of people would come. And, and, and if I was to describe our basketball skills, um, it's not funny. Uh, <laughs> I take that to heart. Um, uh, we, we, were, we were mediocre. Let's just say that, okay? Like, 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 like we could play ball. Like, we, we, like if you watched us play basketball, you'd be like, they could play basketball. But, but we were, you were never going to sit back and go, I wonder why they didn't play ball in college. You know, like that was never going to happen. Like, like we, we had a good time. We were okay. So, so one night, I'll never forget this. I'm sitting on the bleachers. I'm putting all my gear on. And the door opens. And this gentleman named Joe Jackson walks in. Now, if you're not from Memphis, you're probably not going to know this. But Joe Jackson was the starting point guard for the Memphis Tigers. Okay? So this guy, if you just Google him, um, you'll, you'll see some of his ability to dunk on people and all that. I believe, was he drafted to the NBA? for a while? No? Okay. All right. Ruins my story. Um, so, but he was really good. All right. That's what you need to know. He was the starting point guard in NCAA college basketball. So he walks in and the first thing I thought was who in the world knows Joe Jackson, right? Like who, who am I friends with that's friends with the starting point guard of the Memphis Tigers? Um, and so quickly I went from that thought to going, oh my goodness, we're about to get destroyed by this guy. Like we are very mediocre and he is a professional basketball. This is going to be very interesting. And so we start playing. I did not get picked on Joe Jackson's team. He was clearly the first person to get picked. And so he's on the separate team. And for a while, the most interesting thing about it is for a while, he was just playing with us. Like he would get a rebound and pass one of us the ball as if we were equal to him. You know what I mean? He, he would come down the court and instead of like jumping from the three-point line and dunking over everybody, he would pass it to one of us so that we could air ball a three-point shot. Like it was really awesome of him to kind of be with us. And I remember there was even one moment where I was thinking like, you know what? I might need to try out for the Memphis Tigers. You know, like it's clear that we're on the same level here. Like he's here, you know, he's here and I'm, I'm, just, I'm creeping up on him here. And then this play happened where somebody gave Joe Jackson the ball, and he's coming down the court. And I'll never forget this. Like, I don't know how he did it, but it felt like in about two steps, he went from the half court line, and he was in the air. And I remember, no, his feet were at my eye level. Like, I remember thinking like, you know, I believe I can fly. Woo! You know, our Kelly quotes in church are weird. And so, you know, he, 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 he dunked the ball, and, and like, there was that moment where everybody, including his teammates, were just like, like, he's running down court and none of us have moved, right? We're just blown away by it. And it was at that moment, watch this, it was at that moment that I had the revelation that me and Joe Jackson, we were on the same court, but we did not share the same talent. You know what I mean? Like, we were both there, but we were not equal. And I think it's important for us to understand that when God moved into our neighborhood thousands of years ago, when, when God, through Jesus, became man, 
He may have been on the same ground, but we did not share the same power then. He, he was there, but we were not the same because he was 100% man and he was 100% God. When the word became flesh, not one drop of his divinity was lost in the change to humanity. That's a powerful thought. That when God became man, in that change to humanity, he never lost one ounce of his divinity. You can actually see it working when you follow the life of Jesus. Because I have to assume, there's not necessarily scripture backing this, but I have to assume that Jesus went through the same things that every teenager goes through. If he's 100% man, he's going through what, what our kids are going through. So there, you know, he probably had stinky breath, right? I mean, there were certain times where he's just like, man, Jesus, you need to brush your teeth. Like, wow. You know, I was thinking like he probably had acne, right? We all had acne. We've all been there. Remember that? And it made me think about this. Jesus probably went through the awkward stage. You know what I'm talking about? Like, y'all all did it. We all had the awkward stage where you look at the pictures and you're like, what happened? You know? Like, mom, how did you let me look like this? You know what I mean? Like, like and there had to be one. Did, did people cut Jesus's hair? And if they did, was there ever a bad hair day? Like, did Jesus ever come out of the bathroom and somebody was like, man, your mom messed you up. You know, like, that was a bowl cut you shouldn't have got. Like, there was just made me think, like, did Jesus sleep in? You know what I mean? Was he more like a noon one o'clocker when he woke up? Or, you know, did he, did he have, like, incredible teenage hunger where all he wants is a bag of Takis? You know what I mean? Like, was, was this, like, here, Jesus is, is human. He, he's human. And we read throughout Scripture where he flipped tables and, and did and said things that, that showed the human side of him. But very often in Scripture, you would see it when he would switch from the human side of him to the divinity side of him, the divine side of him, and he would like speak to storms and they would obey. And so there's just these moments where he was reminding us, I'm 100% man, but I'm 100% God. And so I can go from saying this and feeling this to speaking to a storm and it stops. There were moments where he would speak to demons and they would come out of people and go into pigs and then run off a cliff. There was a time where he spoke to a dead man and a dead daughter and a dead Lazarus, and they all came out of the grave because he was 100% man, and he was 100% God. And when we grasp that promise, listen to this, we understand that God came to us so that he could help us when we are struggling, not by standing apart from us and shouting orders from a safe distance. I can't get near you because I'm better than you, so I'll, I'll shout orders of ways you should behave from a distance. That's not what he did. But by standing alongside of us and offering us his empathy as well as his wisdom. God became man so that you and I would understand that he wanted to be with us, beside us, and understanding us through our hard times. For every person that's ever thought, well, God forgives me because he has to, or God forgives me begrudgingly, God puts up with me. The whole point of this promise in Hebrews chapter four is for you to understand that God does not put up with you, God has a plan for you. To understand that God doesn't 
forgiving, doesn't forgive you because he has to or, or forgive you with this attitude of, I can't believe you did it. The Bible says that God understands you. That every failure you've ever had, God understands it. For every mistake you've ever made, God understands it. God doesn't set back from a distance and go, you are bad, you are wrong, and if I, I just ought to, but I'll forgive you because my word says I has to, have to, move on, child, and behave. God says, no, 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 I understand. I, I did this so that I could relate, so that you would understand that, that I forgive you and know, and I know how hard it is. And I know how difficult it is, but I love you anyway. And I'll go through it, and I won't fall to it, so that when you do fall, not if you fall, but when you do fall, you will be able to get to my throne of grace through Jesus. You'll be able to find forgiveness, not because I have to, but I want to go through it so that I can guarantee it for you. I'm writing all this down. I actually wrote this a couple weeks ago before we got snowed out. And I wrote this question down. Does this promise matter? Because let's think about it for a second. You got the promise of salvation. You got the promise of, of grace. You got the promise of purpose. You got the promise of financial stability. You got the promise of eternity in heaven. You got the promise of, of hard times. You got all these promises that we've talked about, that we will talk about. Does, does this promise even make it to the top 10? That Jesus understands me? Like, like, like you know, does it, does it qualify? Does, does it, and I just kind of walked through it for a second. And, and here, was, here was the thought I arrived at. If you've ever wondered if God understands you, then yes, it does matter. If if you've ever wondered if God listens to you, then yes, it does matter. If you've ever wondered if the uncreated creator can comprehend the challenges that you face on a daily basis, then yes, it does matter. If you've ever wondered if God puts up with you, if you've ever wondered if God could actually wrap his mind around the hard time that you're having, if you've ever wondered if God gets it, that the temptations you're facing are hard for you, then yes, it does matter. It matters to the hypocrite. It matters to the person who's hung over from last night and a little bit fuzzy about what happened. It matters to the cheater. It matters to the slanderer. It matters to the gossip. Let's get real for a second. It matters to the person who yelled at their kids last night, today. It matters to the person who missed it again. Let me explain that. You ever been doing really good by your standards and think you finally figured this out and then you mess up again? And you said that to yourself, I, I, I'm never gonna, I did it again. I thought I was doing good. It matters to that person. It matters. It matters that Jesus understands when I fail. It matters that Jesus understands when I'm short of what I'm trying to achieve. It matters to the one who's exhausted. It matters to the one who's hurting. 
It matters to the one who's unsure. It matters to the one who's lonely, the one who's tempted, the one who's scared, the one who's under pressure. So the more I thought about that, I thought, yeah, it matters. Not only is it in top 10, it might be in top five. It might be my top three. That as I'm trying to, to process this journey of life and I'm trying to live for God, that God understands me. I, I got a gift for some of you in a moment. I'm, I'm gonna read it in the scripture, but, but watch this. It matters because we need to know that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence and receive his mercy and grace. You know what's so powerful about that is the idea of you approaching the throne of God, uh, the, the, the throne of God, grace, with confidence. I feel like so many of us come to God with this like head down, I'm a failure, I'm no good. And I think God would, would, would lift up our, our heads like this and he'd say, hey, I get it. I get it. But God, you don't, I get it. I did it. I was there. I experienced it. I felt it. I know how hard it is. I understand it. So don't have your head held. Listen, I died so you could overcome it. I never expected you to be perfect. I did this so that you could stand on the very promise that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you'd understand that I did it. I went through it. I get it. I just, I, I feel so badly that somebody needs to hear today that God gets it. Better yet, God gets you. Because what we'll do is we'll start trying to compare what we've gone through through other people that are near us. Right? And then we'll even move into that section where we start trying to label the fact that our life was harder than theirs. Trying to justify why we did. And God says, hey, just chill out for a second. I get it. And I get you. I understand it. Can, can I read something to you real quick? If, if there was ever some scripture that would be uh, ointment to your soul. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to read about four or five verses. Since the children have flesh and blood. This is about us. You and I have flesh we have blood, right? Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, talking about God, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. Who is that? That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. He's setting them free, that those in flesh and blood, that he may become like them so that he can break it. Now watch this. For surely, for surely it's not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. In case you don't know, you are Abraham's descendants. For this reason, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Here's my favorite part. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. 
God became like us so that he could say to us, I get it. I get it. Not from a distance as one who points and says, you need to be better. But as one who says, I understand. I wrote this down. Because Jesus is human, he understands you. And because he is divine, he can help you. He was man enough to sympathize and God enough to do something about it. That's what I love about the best of both worlds. It's one thing to have a God who can do something about it, but doesn't understand what I'm going through. And it's one thing to have a God who understands what I'm going through, but can't do nothing about it. But when you have a God who both understands your struggles and your temptations and your hardships and has the power to do something about it, that's one of my favorite promises. That's my God. He is holy enough to do something about it and human enough to be with me while I go through it. A couple weeks ago, um, we're at our house. It's, it's late at night, and Casey Ray, my seven-year-old, is having a hard time going to bed. And I try to be as real as I can with y'all. I'm not a perfect person. If you haven't figured that out yet, you'll find out soon enough. And it was late. It had been a busy day for me. I was tired, and all I wanted to do was go to bed. You ever been there? And she would not go to sleep. And she kept coming downstairs and, and, and yelling and crying and screaming. And, and she was implying that she was scared, that she couldn't sleep because she was scared. Now, here's a part of my flesh. Part of me couldn't help but get past the fact that she was just making up something so she wouldn't have to go to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, it was hard for me to get past that to go, well, maybe she is actually scared. Like, I just wanted to be like, you know, I know what you're doing. There's nothing to be scared of. Me and your mom are downstairs. Every light in the house is on. Every sound's on. We got a TV up to 50. Go to bed, you know? And I, and I was angry, and, and I said things that, that I, I wish I wouldn't have said. One thing specifically that she was doing, and, and you talk about a heartbreaker, at one point she was saying, I'm sorry. Like, she was sorry for, for inconveniencing me. And, and, and thinking back on it, I was so heartbroken by that because I was so mad, I just wanted her to go to bed. So, so I was yelling and saying things that, that I wish I wouldn't have said. And she went to bed, and everything kind of calmed down. And now I had time to reflect on what had happened. And I was, I was broken. Y'all, I, I can't even explain to you. I, I was playing the conversation back through my head. And I'm like, how, you know, how, how do you say I told, I, I, Darla came in the kitchen to talk to me. I said, babe, you know, here's, here's my little girl. And, and she's scared. And I'm her protector. And instead of protecting her, I'm yelling at her and telling her to go to bed. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I was so just ashamed of myself and broken. And my wife is the wisest person on the planet. And she said, baby, she said two things I'll never forget. She said, first of all, she's a kid. She's going she's gonna to forget about that quickly. And I was like, okay, that brought me a little bit of peace, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking she's going to hold on to it till her marriage, you know, the day she gets married, right? <laughs> but then here's the second thing Darla said. She said, the next time that happens, because it happens pretty frequently. She's redhead. She's fireball. It happens pretty frequently. She said, the next time that happens, she said, do this. She said, get down on one knee. And she said, get, get your posture in a place that relates to her. He said, and then when you're, when you're at this angle with her, then, then this, you, you'll help her understand that you understand 
what she's going through. And she said, when you get up, just call her over. She said, just hug her. Tell her you understand. And I'm sitting there, and, and Darlene, she'd acted it out in our kitchen floor, and I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, that makes so much sense to me. And I realized at that moment, the power that's in your posture, right? In other words, instead of being like this to her, get down on her level and, and help her understand that you understand. And then I realized God is prone to stoop. This is God's posture with us. You've been taught that God's posture is this to you. You need to, you need to. And what Hebrews 4 confirms in our life is that God's posture is this. Come here. Hey, come here. He stoops. When it came to washing the disciples' feet, he stooped. When it came to the woman at the well, he stooped. When it came to the women that, woman that had the issue of blood that was at his hem of his garment, he stooped. When it came to the woman who was caught in adultery, and when he went to write in the sand, he stooped. When he went to get Peter out of the water as he was sinking, he stooped. When he got ready to go to the whipping post, he stooped. When he picked up his cross to carry his own cross, he stooped. This is the posture of God. Grace is a God who stoops. So why does Hebrews chapter 4 matter to you and matter to me? Because it teaches us the posture of God. And at some point, religion or experience taught us that the posture of God is to stand above us. Jesus taught us that the posture of God is to get down on our level and say, hey, come here. Come here. Come here. Hey, I understand. I get it. It's hard. I get it. But I love you. And I'm with you. And I saw this coming. And I already died for it. So just, hey, come here. Settle down. It's not as big as you're making it out to be. And when you realize that God understands you, something can begin to break. The next day, I'm getting way too old to be down on one knee. The next day, Casey Ray comes home from school, and I'm on the couch, I'm working, and uh, she busts in the garage door. Dad, let me show you, tell you, blah, 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 blah. Sure enough, she had forgotten about it 100%, just like Darla said. But I hadn't. The father hadn't. Let me just give you a Holy Spirit word for a second. The child had moved on. The father was seeking out the child to make it right. That's our God. 
you'll move on. And he's still seeking you out to make this right. You thought you was just coming to church. God's had this plan for 37 years to get you here right now so that you understand that that's the posture of your father. So she comes in the house. I put the, the computer over. I said, hey, come here, baby, come here. And I pull her up into my lap. She's sitting in my lap. She's looking down in her hands, you know, kind of timid. I said, hey, I want to talk to you real quick. I said, last night, you know, you remember what happened? Yeah, I remember what happened. I said, I, I said some things I, I wish I wouldn't have said. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I thought about it all night. I said, for example, baby, you were telling me that you were scared. And I said, I, I'm your protector. And, and I want to be your protector. And so here you are telling me you're scared. And I'm yelling at you instead of comfort. I said, baby, I am so sorry. And I was just apologizing and apologizing. In the middle of saying something, she reached out to hug me. I don't know if you've ever had a kid-initiated hug or a kid-initiated kiss. It's one thing when you're like, give me a hug, right? But when your child initiates it, 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 it just it wrecks you. So we embraced, hugged, kissed, loved on each other for a minute. She gets up out of my lap and she runs into the kitchen where Darla is. And I, I get my laptop back and going back to working and I can hear her. I don't, there's no sound in the house, so I can hear her. And she runs in and you can hear her go, Mom, guess what? Dad just did it, did it, did it. She starts telling the whole story to her mom, super excited. And as I was writing this message, the Lord is reminding me of that moment. He's reminding me of his posture, and he gave me this revelation. Once you understand the right posture of the Father, you run away with a different perspective, and how you communicate it to others is different because you now see God for the right way that he is. An understanding father who gets down on one knee and says, come here, I understand, I understand and I love you and I love you and I get you and I love you. I'm so proud of you and I have such great purpose for you. Yeah, dad, but I, no, 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 it doesn't matter. But I, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Stop with all that. Stop with all that. I did it. I already went through it. None of that matters. I get you. I love you. And let's move on in understanding who I really am. And then we get up out of his lap, hence leaving the church, and we run out to every person that's ever been taught the wrong perspective of the Father, and we run out and go, guess what? Guess what? I got to tell you, about the right perspective of my God. That while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. That he stoops. Because grace is a God who stoops. So I don't know that you've ever really thought about it. I feel like this message is one of those messages that you probably go, yeah, I've heard something like that before. But God thought it was so important that he wrote it into scripture as a promise. That through Jesus, God understands you. Do me a favor, stand with me for a moment. I think when you grasp the magnitude of this promise, 
it has to impact the way that you move forward living for Jesus. I've been there. There were a season in my life where if you would have asked me the posture of God, I would have told you his posture is above me, pointing down at me. And honestly, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it at the time because I didn't know any different. I just knew that's how God is. God is perfect and he, I have to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect, I'm in trouble. That's, that's just how you're taught. But that's not the posture of God. The reason that he sent Jesus, the reason that he came through Christ and went through suffering is so that you and I would never have to feel like he's above us pointing down, but that he is right beside us, arm around us, saying, hey, we got this. Let's do this. And when you grasp that idea of God, doesn't it kind of just take a weight off of you for a moment? Don't you walk out of here with your head held a little bit higher? Don't you feel like you got a little bit better? Don't you feel like, you know what? I can do this. And it's not because you're any better. It's because you understand it's never about how good you are. It's about how good he is. It's understanding that he understands me. The God of the universe gets me. And I just had that revelation where that night where I'm in my house and I'm struggling with this conversation with my daughter, it'd be so easy for religion to tell me you're a terrible dad, right? Your kid's gonna hate you. Like so many things that religion or culture could tell me. And all God wants me to understand is, hey, I get it. I get it. I get it. But we got this. I love you. Let's fix it. Let's make it right. Let's do this together. And that's why I feel like this has to be one of our top 10 promises. May not be a lot of depth to it, but I feel like it's a life-changing concept if we can grasp it. So I'm going to pray over you, and here's my prayer, that you would get a new perspective of God. I don't know how you were raised. I don't know what you've experienced. But I'm telling you right now, if you get that right perspective, it's going to set you free. It's going to be life-changing. Because no longer are you walking around life trying to perform. You're just walking around trying to worship. Right? So, Father, I thank you right now for every person in this room. I thank you for your promise in Hebrews. I thank you that you understand us. That you came 100% man, 100% God to go through our sufferings, to go through what we've been through so that we could look at you and experience that you, or, or understand that you know what we've gone through, that you get us and that that grace and that mercy could overflow in our lives. So I'm praying right now over the perspective of every person in this room that the old perspective would be gone and that there would be a new for the person who's always thought it was about them and how they performed and how they tried, that they would be set free right now because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. For the gossiper, for the slanderer, for the hurting, for the lost, for the one who's exhausted, 
for the one who feels shame. They'd be set free right now because of a right understanding of who you are. Here's how we're going to end this service. We, we started it off singing the song, Son of Suffering. And the reason why we picked that song, it's new, you never heard it before unless you listened to that album, is because it sets this concept up that this is who God is. That he came down to us and did this. But then I love the bridge because the bridge comes in and says, uh, it's your cross and it's my freedom, right? It's your stripes, but yet it's my healing. This is what scripture's talking about. It's his perfection, but it's my freedom. It's his suffering and it's my healing. It's not about me. It's about him that his blood is still speaking, that he's still reaching, that he's still chasing us and pursuing us so that we could get the right perspective of the Father. And so my prayer for you is just for the, for the next few moments that you would just allow yourself that opportunity. Just allow yourself to just grasp and take in who God, the real posture of God. Can we do that for a moment? So do me a favor, close your eyes, close your eyes. Ben, y'all go ahead. And I just want us to be able to take this in for a moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, fresh perspective, Father. Fresh perspective. 